welcome to the podcast of the Spiritual Coaching Dashboard. We are training coaches and coaching leaders because we know that only healthy hearts can know God deeply and follow Him fully. Because we care and we want you to reach your full potential, we coach you to choose life-giving reactions to the warning lights that show up on the dashboard of your life. Welcome back to the Spiritual Coaching Dashboard. So in this episode, we're going to follow up the last episode on spiritual warfare with a discussion about a thing called ground that explains why some sins are hard to shake. And then wrap up with a short look at sympathetic ground, particularly, and its role in keeping us from finding the victory Christ provides. I, I hope that the number of questions this episode gives, gives rise to will convince you to do more reading and research on the subject. So expect to have questions and expect to have questions that I don't answer. This discussion gets into more than nitty-gritty detail of spiritual coaching. It, up till now, I, I've been dealing with uh, coaching specifically, um, not really on a granular level, but um, we are, are closing in on the end of Season 3, and that means we're also coming to the end of this kind of more general way. I've been speaking about spiritual coaching, and that means that in Season 4, we'll be free to begin to, you know, be, to just get a little more specific getting into some more of the details. Um, these three seasons have been training from a more general, um, systemic type of way. So season three will free us up to address specific issues. Since I have mentioned ground and sympathy several times up to this point, I figure we could begin by saying a little more about these topics. Now, I'm sitting here in the Northeast on, on a day when it is negative two degrees. That's not to mention a wind chill at nine in the morning. <clears throat> However, we do have summer here where the deer and dandelion play. So when touching on the topic of ground, I will ask people, what happens when you mow a dandelion? Answer, you mow it again. Why? Well, because when you mow it, you only hack, whack the head off, leaving the roots in the ground. The way to get rid of dandelions is far more intrusive and labor-intensive. It involves digging a big hole to remove all the roots and then filling it with good soil and planting good seed. I, In comparison, it may seem true to think that simply confessing my sin will set me free from all its control and bondage, bringing wonderful transformation. But when that sin is become a way of life, when it has been in the yard of our lives for a while, confession alone is like whacking a dandelion. It not only doesn't get the roots, but if the dandelion has progressed far enough and has gone to seed, you're planting more. The truth is that we need to completely process sin, roots and all, to bring freedom and eventual maturity. To, to change to another favorite metaphor of mine, the ability to live a, a holy life requires that we deal with the disease and not the symptom only. Trying to change our old actions and reactions, outward, without addressing connected heart issues, the inward, will mean that outward victory is never complete. The way to remove the symptom is to heal the sickness. Uh, old and young disciples all fall prey <clears throat> to Satan's attempt to focus on symptoms and not the real problem. He knows we will fall again if we do not deal deeply, so he misdirects us so we never see where the power of Calvary needs to be applied. When, when we inevitably stumble again, well, he tempts us to, to wonder how Useful the and real the blood of Jesus is exactly what Satan wants. 
It increases guilt and false guilt, frustration, disillusionment, and the belief that the help promised in scriptures is not for them, that there is something wrong with them, or that the Bible is not true and Jesus was not completely victorious. The enemy has a heyday with the truest disciples, knowing exactly how to exploit them for his purposes. He tempts them to accept as normal their current level of victory instead of expecting full deliverance. We are tempted to allow our experience to decrease to dictate what is true instead of tenaciously working by faith in God and His Word to bring our experience in line with what the Bible promises. Let's begin by talking about ground, by unpacking uh, the, a verse. Uh, 1 Timothy, a part of a verse, really. 1 Timothy 6.10, For the love of money is at the root of all kinds of evil. So the word root can be translation translated foundation. It means just what you think it does. They foundation is what you put in the ground that causes the rest of the house that's above ground to stay where you put it. It makes it firm and solid and immovable. A root also is the part of a plant that attaches it firmly to the ground, just like a foundation. It also brings water and nutrients from the soil to the plant so it can grow strong and spread out. All kinds of evil find their root in the love of or craving for money. Money's not the problem here, but friendliness with it that wants more of it, greed, is the problem. That connection, a heart connection, a love, like like you love your brother or family member, gives rise to every kind of evil under the sun. This is a love that befriends, coddles, protects, and hoards. A love that stretches out to grasp the thing that is desired. This word that is translated root is the exact one used in Hebrews 12:15 where it says watch out that no bitter root of unbelief rises up among us for wherever it springs up many are corrupted by its poison. All right now do you uh, do you see what is going on here? The root is the lifeline. Kill the root, remove it from the ground it holds so tenaciously onto and you kill the whole plant. The root is shown as the source from which sin rises or springs up. Sin does not appear from nowhere. A flower cannot exist without a stem and root. Corruption comes from the springing up. The springing up comes from the root, which is the source of the poison. In the end, it spreads out and defiles many. Not just ourselves, but our sin ends up hurting, wounding, or attracting others. That is in part due to the subtlety of bitterness, which is what this subject was about in Hebrews 12.15. When this is the root in your heart, you are in for some sour days ahead. But when bitterness or any other sin is properly dispatched, it will not become a root. A root of bitterness is different from bitterness alone. Now, let's look at one more related teaching from the Bible. Ephesians 4, 26-27 says, Don't let sin, uh, and don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let sin... Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For your anger gives a foothold to the devil. In some versions of the Bible, the word foothold is translated opportunity. The word foothold is closely related conceptually to the idea of roots. In older Bible translations, they use the word place instead of foothold. It is actually the word we get topography from. A topographical map represents the physical features of the earth. When we give Satan a foothold, a topography in our life, in this passage, by hanging on to something, we give him real ground. We give him a place to put down roots. It has substance and can be described. There are details and can be explained and portrayed by careful observance and accurate description. 
as a topographical map explains the lay of the land, this foothold Satan gets also features and, uh, and has specific characteristics, has features and specific characteristics that describe it. In this case, the ground or place he holds looks like anger. The place or ground is the root or disease. Anger is the flower or the symptom. Now, this foothold or place in our heart is a firm or secure position that provides a base for further advancement. But there is another wonderful description we can learn from found in the Latin word that some translations use. It is the word, it is the term opportunity. When we give Satan this specific and real place in our heart, this foothold or ground, it gives the devil an opportunity. It creates a situation where it's possible for the devil to hang around on the ground we have created just for him, and by that favor we show him, he can influence our lives. Now, opportunity comes from the Latin and literal uh, um, means, it literally means toward port. Okay, opportunity comes from the Latin, literally means towards port. It's a mariner's term. Roman sailors learned, used the Latin opportunus to speak of favorable, favorable winds that blow towards port or towards home. This opportune wind must was not fighting or resisting their intentions to go home. It was cooperative. It was sympathetic to their desires. So when we hold sin onto sin, instead of quickly shaking it off through confession and correction and distancing ourselves from it, this choice is favorable or friendly or opportune or sympathetic to our enemy. It gives him the opportunity to set up shop on his little piece of ground that we gave him and exert his dark and evil influence in our hearts. We, give, uh, we have given him a place. A place is an area used for a particular purpose. Fairgrounds, parade grounds, picnic grounds, fishing grounds. Any area set up for a specific purpose can be labeled grounds. They are a base for particular operations. The, the original Greek root tapas, or topography, refers to any portion of space marked off from the surrounding territory. It is a defined place, territory, area, or land. A place that someone takes and therefore it pertains to him. It would be carries, right? Territory. It would be my topography, my place, my land. There is an example where this same term, tapas, is used to identify a sheath for a sword. You know, the place where a sword is kept. The sheath is the sword's topography. <laughs> Top tapos. His place, its land, its ground. Two different references I consulted see this term of ground or tapas in Ephesians as referring to power or occasion for acting. In other words, to have tapos or ground is to have opportunity for mission. Are you getting the picture? This ground, this ground thing, this place we give the enemy, it's a real problem. I will talk about how we give him ground shortly. Without this opportunity, he has no ground. Um, he lies and his lies and, and works are without a base of operation, no base or foundation. They are unjustified, unsupported, imaginary, empty. But when we have given our enemy ground, a place at the boardroom table of our minds, we are a house divided against itself. We have let the enemy in, and now he works against us from the inside out. However Satan got that ground, always by some degree of deceit and trickery, he has a right that we have given him to influence our choices. We give him specific ground where he put down roots that favor him and his schemes against us. 
Now, here's my attempt at a bit of a definition of the thing called ground, or this sympathy or a friendship we have made with Satan. Ground is the invitation extended or cooperation shown to Satan, which allows him the right to influence our lives. Ground is the invitation extended or cooperation shown to Satan, which allows him the right to influence our lives. The amount of ground determines the degree of control over our actions, reactions, feelings, thoughts, beliefs, and whatever the extent, and to whatever extent he is able to get us to conform to his wishes. Ground is a valid, current, enforceable invitation that has not been properly canceled. Ground may include the justification, excuses, and denial we use to accept or permit his leadership. It is a license or permit of specific but limited permission of his opportunity, of, of his authority in our lives. It is the right to condemn. It is his claim, his legal right for the influence that he exerts in our life. It is a firm position or secure base of operation which, from which Satan can strike out into new territory, a foot in the door, if you will. It is a wind that blows Satan's ship of deceit and temptation in the direction he desires. It is an area in our heart or mind set aside for him, assigned to him to use as he wishes. It gives him the right to demand a hearing and to speak at the table of our mind where decisions are made. It is a toe in the door, a valid invitation. See Seasons tickets, a reservation, an advantage, a precedent. Let's take a short break to give your brain a chance to rest. Did you know that this podcast is not the only resource that we have available to help you with your own relationship with God and your spiritual coaching efforts? TwoRivers.Church backslash life coaching, don't forget the hyphen, has dozens of tools and book links to help you in your life with God and your ministry to others. You can even sign up there to get spiritual coaching for yourself with Pastor Carrie, either in person or virtually. It's a work in progress and we'll be getting a facelift soon, but it's chock full of practical content to read, watch, and listen to. Wherever you choose to interact with Pastor Carrie online, please remember to rate, like, follow, and share so that other leaders and coaches can find this helpful content. If you would like to connect with Pastor Carrie, you can go to tworivers.church backslash lifecoaching, email him at carrie at tworivers.church, or text him on Twitter or Facebook by going to at SC dashboard. All right, let's finish today's episode of the podcast. A word for uh, on this idea of sympathy with sin. So sin gets sticky when we desire it. It is hard to shake off something we have once loved or still have some affection for. There is a difference between sinning and wanting to sin. A sympathy is a feeling of pity and sorrow towards someone or something. You do not want to hurt or bring it pain or loss. There is a kindness or friendship there. Sin that was accidentally chosen to protect us, let's say, and that did, we feel, offer some degree of safety, is one we're going to be sympathetic with, kind or partial towards, because we perceive there was benefit to it. When there is this sort of ground, we are not just fighting sin, but we have to make an emotional decision to abandon it and our friendship with it and let it die. A sheer confession of sin will leave something out. We need to also name our cooperation and kindness shown to the sin and break, uh, and break our heart tie with it. You see, when, when we have cooperation with sin, you also have been in cahoots with the devil. Sympathy with sin is empathy, coddling, support, showing compassion, warmth, alliance, collaboration, openness, leniency, toleration, mercy, friendliness, loyalty, favor, support, approval with excuses, justifications, 
or explanations. The excuse, the excuses used by the devil or the evil spirits to cover ground would be as followed, and this is not an exhaustive list. It is God. It is disease. It is physical. It is natural. It is something everyone struggles with. It is to be expected. It's temperamental. It is the way you've always been. It is something you will grow out of. It is hereditary or genetic. It's, it is fatigue. It's your imagination. It's not possible to defeat it. It's your deserved punishment. It is unforgivable. It is not noticeable. It's insignificant. It's not sin. It's okay for now. Many ways the enemy lies to us to try to cover his tracks and keep his ground. Now, let's talk about how to take back that ground that we consciously or unwittingly gave away. And right there is the first key. Ground may be given or allowed consciously or unconsciously, but it is always permitted. This is why Satan is known as a deceiver. Most people will not intentionally sign a blood pact covenant with the devil, so he tricks us into doing it. Any ground he has... He got by manipulation when we are vulnerable through lies and fear and threats and cruelty or by sheer determination, our sheer determination to sin or otherwise center our lives on ourselves. Satan and his crew cannot take ground. It must be given to them. And if it was given, it can be revoked. Sin roots grow breast and ground made fertile by the enemy. It requires spiritual warfare to be displaced. That ground that is Satan's, he will not give up without a fight. That is, unless he is allowing us to take back a minor thing so that he can somehow protect and hang on to something else in our hearts that he values more. His cruel tendency, tenacity is why we need to know our theology. Um, he will have no effect against the power of Jesus Christ to keep ground that our Savior means to restore to us when we ask. We can then put that ground under God's Lordship where it belongs. If you are a spiritual coach, when we are, we are walking with someone through the, the various chapters of their personal story and shin, sin shows up, we need to look for the ground. If you only whack the dandelion of sin, the root of disease will pop up another sin flower before you even have a chance to park the mower back in the shed. Look for the ground, the specific circumstances around the sin, the thing they said to themselves to allow it, the sort of, any sort of affection. Look for any sympathy that's still in play. This is, this is the cause of more defeat than anything other than temptation. People really want to stop committing a certain sin, but do not know they still hold out an open and legal invitation to Satan and his influence in their lives. They have a special place in their heart for that lie or false protection, like an adult who still holds a candle for their high school sweetheart or prom date. What I'm saying here is that when you discover leniency and cooperation with an emotional and an emotional tie with sin, or say it another way, another way, when we find ground the enemy is operating out of, spiritual warfare will be needed to take it back. Yet again, I must repeat my plea for you to become familiar with the ways of Satan and how to be victorious in your stand against him. Unless a spiritual coach understands this biblical teaching, you will struggle to lead people into lasting victory. Uh, that place given to Satan, which actually means there is a demonic entity attached in some way to that place, will continue to exert some level of control over the unsuspecting life. Now, um, I'm going to suggest to you seven ways that Satan gets ground. Several ways um, that this happens, and I am not going to go into uh, in depth on this. Some of them, them you'll recognize that we've already spoken about. Um, but here we go. Seven ways. Ground is given. One, choice. We are vulnerable due to sin. 
Okay, so this is the main avenue is by the repeated acts of a particular sin. The invite is often unknowingly sent as we repeatedly give into some lie or temptation of the enemy. So choice is one. Deception is two. We're vulnerable due to lies. Most ground is connected to a lie, in fact. If he influences our thoughts and beliefs, he can exert some control over our whole life. If you have not found a lie, you probably have not gotten all the roots. The lie is the key that opens the door that starts the communication between him and us. So you have choice, deception, then sympathy. We're vulnerable due to cooperation. We just covered that. Four is trauma. We're vulnerable due to defenselessness. In trauma, the enemy uses our fatigue and shock and hurt and confusion and takes advantage of of unintentional openness to him. Satan's favorite targets are those who, for some reason, are weak and defenseless, which is why children and those experiencing severe trauma are favorite, favorite targets. So we have choice, deception, sympathy, trauma, and dysfunction. We are vulnerable due to need. So there's some unmet need, some parental void, let's say, some need for acceptance and love and, and clarity. Um, searching for the void fillers creates openness to Satan and vulnerability to his lies and trickery. With uh, one's emotions and thoughts manhandled by fear and rejection, Satan can be quite free to operate. Number six is transference. We are vulnerable due to parents. Someday I'll teach on this, uh, based out of Exodus 24 through 6. For now, let's just say that sin repeats itself in successive generations through ground an ancestor gave to Satan. And seven is contact. We are vulnerable due to proximity. Now, try not to freak out. Being in the same house with Satan is um, where Satan is welcome, can create exposure, but we still have to act in such a way that we let him in. Uh, an example of um, ground given by proximity uh, would be sexual intimacy. It joins two people in a, in a unique way and can transfer ground from evil spirits, which is one reason why you should never have sex with someone you hardly know. So, choice, we're vulnerable due to sin. Deception, we're vulnerable due to lies. Sympathy, we're vulnerable due to cooperation. Trauma, we're vulnerable due to defenselessness. Dysfunction, we're vulnerable due to need. Transference, we're vulnerable due to parents. Contact, we're vulnerable due to proximity. Sin cannot be shown mercy. You cannot afford any friendliness. It must be killed, not coddled. Sympathy can be totally unknown and unrecognized to the sympathizer. It's just this knee-jerk, instinctive response. Sometimes what would not normally tempt us does because of sympathetic ground. Often the sin is not as strong in a life as the sympathy with it is. Man, I, I have prayed about this, and as far as I know, I sincerely want to be free from it, but it just does not seem to happen. I cannot break free. Did you ever say that? I guarantee you'll hear that as a spiritual coach. The sympathy, the friendliness, is the strong man that must be bound before you can take back the ground. Satan is a hundred times more subtle, wise, experienced, ruthless, determined, clever, resourceful, and patient than you can ever hope to be yourself. Do not be by yourself. Rely first on God and His Word, and then on others to help you discover and remove any presence of the evil one. Next time on Two Rivers Spiritual Coaching Podcast. We will talk about praying for someone at the altar in uh, service. And then the final episode of Season 3 will cover training others to be spiritual coaches. That's it for this episode. Thank you for listening. If you heard something that got your attention, whether it be for your own relationship with God or for coaching others, don't waste the divine nudge. Be sure to take the time to think through how to work the truth into your life and practice. If you do spiritual coaching, either formally or informally, remember that it is hard to lead where you have never been yourself. We pray that God uses the spiritual coaching dashboard to inform and transform your life before it reaches another. 
If you are in the upstate New York area, specifically Binghamton, or are visiting or just passing through, look Pastor Carrie and myself up. We'd love to have a cup of coffee with you and chat about our dynamic relationship with God or about how to do spiritual coaching in your context. Again, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on the podcast of The Spiritual Coaching Dashboard. Thank you.